command remain standing please take your bibles turn with me to the book of lamentations lamentations chapter number three lamentations that little book there right after jeremiah before ezekiel lamentations chapter three and uh, we'll begin reading verse number 37 and we'll read down through verse 51 lamentations chapter three Remind you, too, we do have another CD. I meant to mention it a moment ago. We do have another CD if you'd like to get one, some uh, Thanksgiving music. And uh, uh, so you can see uh, the Hermans about that And uh, if you'd like to have one. All right, Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 37. I'll read verse 37. You join me on verse number 38 and so on down through verse number 51. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart and our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain, thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud, and our prayers should not pass through. Thou hast made us as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare has come upon us, desolation and destruction. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission." Till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven. And then verse 51, let's read it together also. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Time my message is gotten from verse 51. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And uh, my eye affects my heart. It really does. Our eyes affect our hearts. And we'll see about that here this evening. Father, thank you again uh, for a time that we can gather together on Sunday night. And uh, Lord... Uh, uh, it just seems like it gets so dark so quick, and, and uh, Lord, it's cold outside, but what a, what a blessing it is to see that there's people that uh, want to be in church on a Sunday night. And thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And, and uh, Lord, we, we thank you that, that we know that you made us a promise that you would be with us if we would gather together like this. And, Lord, here we are. We've uh, done what you said. And we just want your presence here, but not just to be an onlooker. We ask that your presence be here to the point that you would speak to us. I know I'll be preaching the message. The Holy Spirit, I pray you'll speak to our hearts. And so have your will and way now, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You probably heard before it said, and if you read anything about any commentaries, you'll find Jeremiah was known as, uh, had a kind of a nickname, I guess you'd say. He's known as the weeping prophet. And the reason he wept was because of the condition of Israel. And a lot of things were going on in Israel, and, and uh, it just it bothered him because it was his people. And it was his nation. And uh, he was concerned about it, and, and he wept about it. It was so bad that it caused him to weep. Uh, you know, it's not wrong for us to weep. I think, you know, that tears, uh, uh, what someone wrote a song, tears are a language that God understands. 
And, uh, you know, it ought, ought to break our hearts about things. I, you know, I, I think it's sad. We, we, our hearts are broken over puppy dogs, but our hearts are not broken over sin. We're broken over a TV program that, gets, that has a sad ending, and rather we don't have a broken heart over the, the sins of our nation. Now to, to, to the, the Jeremiah, the man of God, his focus was on Israel. I have to say tonight, my focus is not on Israel. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against Israel. I'm not uh, against it at all. I am very pro-Israel. I think our nation needs to be pro-Israel. I think our leaders need to understand the importance of it. And uh, it's sad the way some some folks are. I, I'm glad that uh, they said Kevin McCarthy is planning on getting some folks out of the uh, some of the committees. And one is Elon Omar. Is that her name? And uh, she, she is very anti-Israel. She needs to be out of there. Amen. And there's a few others, too. And uh, that's a whole other sermon. But, and, and, and you didn't give much in the offering, so you're not getting two at one. And, uh, but uh, the thing, thing is that, uh, you know, Israel was important to Jeremiah. But America is important to me. America is important to me. I, again, I'm not taking that Israel is not important. I, I believe it still is. And I believe we need to be strong uh, uh, for Israel. But my concern is not so much what's going on in Israel right now, but what's going on in America today. What's happening in our own country. And I began to think, you know, America's in sad shape. It's, it's become so immoral. And, and, and another word came to my mind as I was thinking about it. It's become very insensitive. Now, when I say insensitive, I'm talking insensitive to the things of God. Insensitive to God himself. And uh, where there's like, you know, it's almost as if there is no God. And uh, America has become, become that way. Uh, I, I think about how that the, the morals have gone. And uh, such an emphasis is put on sexual things and sodomy and drugs and drinking and lawlessness. And it permeates our land. It's in front of us all the time. They can't sell anything today without making it immoral. And to try to get our eyes on it, and 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 I, and I think about you know the way it is the the Sodom Sodomites today, and uh, you know people sometimes say, well you know why why do you talk so much about it? I believe we need to talk about it and really help people understand how bad it really is, and uh, we we've sat silent too long in America and and didn't want to say anything about it, and even today trying to be politically correct and not, not say anything about what's going on, but it's a horrible thing. I remember as a boy uh, that it was, I mean, it always was. We can go back to Lot. There was those things going on. And in Lot's day, it was flaunted. And then there was a time, I believe, in America, it was not something that was flaunted. It was not something that was said was good. It was something, and, and we used to, and, 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 the, and the Sodomites would say that they were in the closet. I think somebody should have put a lock on that door. But they were in the closet, and we, we didn't hear much about it, and now today it's changed a whole lot, and the doors have swung wide open, and, and now they're not ashamed. I think one of the reasons why they were in the closet was because they were ashamed, and rightfully they should be. It is a perversion. It's not something all right. It's not something good. You say, well, I have a relative. It doesn't matter if we have a relative or not. Sin is sin. 
And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I've heard people say, I remember that one time in, um, oh, what was that store over there, Bickles, and uh, when they sold all kinds of things, you know, over here in Roaring Spring. And I remember in there one day and someone said, was talking to the lady at the counter and said, do you have any homosexual friends or gay friends? And they stole that good word gay, by the way. And she says, do you have any homosexual friends? And said, yes. Yeah. said, oh, they're so nice. Now, you know, I'm not saying a person, a sodomite, couldn't be nice. But their sin, we need to understand their sin is not nice. It's not something to be looked at as being okay. It's something to be looked at as something that is really sin and, 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 and uh, 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 a very bad thing in the eyes, the, the eyes of God. But we see now that uh, they're, not un- they're, they're unashamed of what they do. They'll walk hand in hand with each other down the streets. You'll see in the stores, you'll see them uh, holding hands. And, 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 and it's disgusting. And, and it's an abomination. Uh, but uh, we, we see it right before our own eyes. And, and they, they live a, just an unrebuked life now. And, uh, 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 and, I, and I think you know how sad it is that uh, uh, our nations, and, and sadly enough, even our pulpits today are silent about it. Uh, old Chuck Schumer, I caught a little bit about him the other day, talking about how that, you know, we need to make sure for this gay and same-sex marriages that they're all protected. Let me tell you something. God never intended that. I don't believe our forefathers even intended that. And, uh, and, and uh, I know God didn't, of course, according to the Word of God. But uh, even our pulpits today become silent on the thing. And, uh, and there's a, a lot of folks, I've talked to people out soul wanting, are mad at their denominations because their denomination is, is putting an approval on the homosexual agenda. Let me tell you something. If you belong to a, a, a denomination that is putting their approval on it, get out of that denomination. Get out of that church. I know we're in here, we're, we're talking to ourselves, but this, this will go across uh, the, the airwaves and go through the Internet and people listen. I was impressed the other day. I was looking at how many, how many times since we began Sermon Audio, how many times, thousands of times, the sermons that I've preached from here have been downloaded and people have listened to it throughout the whole world, really. Now, not as much as maybe someone else, but I mean, when it comes to thousands and we're here in a little community with a little church, I think it's an amazing thing. But uh, I, I thank the Lord we're able to get that, to get that word out. But uh, the, the sad thing is that people are too worried about being politically correct than to be biblically correct. And I, I've tried to make myself, and, and I want to always be this, I want to be biblically correct and not politically correct. I'm not looking for the approval of the world, I'm looking for the truth from the Word of God. But we see the things that are happening. I was reading an article the other day about a woman. Uh, she looked like a man, she may have used to be, I don't know, in these days, you know. And uh, I saw that she was using, for preschool and grade school children, she was using a unicorn, and I'm going to see what, what was called a gender unicorn to instruct kids on sexual attraction. She was doing it as young as preschool kids. I'm telling you what, they used to lock people up that did stuff with kids like that. And now today they're, they're educators and, and they say they need to teach these kids. What we need to do is get back to a place where we're teaching our boys and girls the things of the Word of God. Oh, when we get back to the place where our children and our grandkids were in Sunday school and we're more worried about being in the right Sunday school than being in the right school today. Sodomites go unchecked, and they do what they want, where they want, how they want. 
And I think about the sorrow of America, the killing of babies. And, and again, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to bring it up here. I'm not going to bring it up every time, but I'm bringing it up a lot because we're killing a lot of babies. Now, they may have overturned Roe v. Wade, but there's still a lot of babies being killed. And there's a lot of people that are upset. And the elections, I think, showed us a little bit where people believe how important it is, believe it's a right to kill your baby. I say maybe we ought to ask for rights to kill those folks who kill their babies. You say, that's terrible. Is it any worse than killing the babies? They say, women say, well, we want, we want to have the rights. We want to have the control of our bodies. I say this, you should have controlled your body to start with. You don't want control. You just want to get out of a, out of a sticky situation. You say, you need to be nice. Pray for me. We look and we see the corrupt politicians, we see the ungodly judges, we see the general apathy of America today. Sinking in judgment, not only is judgment, I believe, coming, but I believe we're seeing some of the judgment upon America today. I'm thinking, you know, I really thought with the election things might turn around, and yet what happens, we got pretty much the same old, same old. And I think some of that might be just the hand of God saying, hey, you know what? I could have turned it around, but if my people who are called by my name, they won't humble themselves and pray. We'll run to the, we'll run to the, off, we'll run to the, the, the ballot box, and I'm for that. I voted. I think everybody ought to vote. But here's the thing. That's not what's going to change our country, and we've seen that. And I think we're seeing a little bit of the hand of God upon America today. We're in a lot of troubles, and I believe you can trace it back to the sin of our nation. The core problem still ha- exists, and it's increasing. Our families have become places of, uh, in sad shape and divorce and, 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 and division. You say, well, preacher, you just don't understand. No, don't you understand? I believe that when we get married, we're to stay married. And I, I believe we need to put some thought into who we do marry. You say, well, you know, she's pretty. Now, thank the Lord she's pretty. But uh, you don't marry because of prettiness. And I know no woman is ever married for handsomeness because we ain't got it. Amen, fellas? But our homes are out of order. And today, in today's uh, order, it's this. Children first, mom and dad second, and God third. That is the reverse of God's plan. God's plan is for him to be first, mom and dad is second, and the children are last. You say, well, the kids, they need mom and dad. They need a godly mom and dad. That's why we have a problem today, because we have moms and dads that are not godly moms and dads. Women run the homes. I feel like maybe I should duck. Women run the homes today. You say, well, preacher, you're just a male chauvinist. I'm not even sure what that means. I'm not a male chauvinist. I just am a Bible believer. I believe a man's to be the head of the house. Amen. You fellas can say amen, ask your wife, and she'll say it's okay, maybe. Or she may say, you do, you get a black eye. And I hope somebody comes on Wednesday night with a black eye, just for the fun of it. Women run the homes, and now the men are the submissive ones to the wife. Now, I'm not saying, you know, there's people today, there's men today that are just obnoxious. I got to think of a man one day, he was just, he was rude, he was mean to his wife. And I said, you need to treat her right. He got mad at me. That's you know, a sad thing. We're, we're to treat our wives like, we're to, we're to love them like Christ loves the church. But we're still to be the leaders. So, well, you know, preacher, you, you know, it's, and, and you know, it's sad that the man won't be a leader enough to where his wife can be a follower. I think one of the reasons why there's so many bossy wives today is because men won't be the leader they ought to be in their homes. Just saying. 
Amen. Aren't you glad you came tonight? You better say amen or we're going to think something. We can see that women are run the homes and men have become submissive ones and the children get to do whatever they want. And your parents saying, well, what are you going to do? Well, you make them do what's right. You know, you just say, there's just, I, I, we just got this thing. We let the kids make up their own minds and we see how that's turned out. And the sad thing is God le- gets left outside knocking on the door. You know, he ought not be knocking on the door. He ought to be in our homes. Amen. People today are more interested in prenuptial agreements. You know, if they said, well, we just, you know, we're going to get married. We need to have a prenuptial agreement instead of being a, having a deep commitment towards each other. You don't need to, if you're more worried about your money, you ought not get married. Because you get married, it's going to go. We ought to be concerned about a prenuptial com- uh, commitment to each other. Not a prenuptial commitment, but a commitment to loving each other till death do us part. Deep commitment. Both young and old today are shacking up with each other. You know, there was a day I used to hear about young people that shacking up. Now what do we do? We see senior citizens in here, but we got good reason now because it's cheaper. Show me somewhere in the Bible where that's okay then. Amen. It's just what happened was those young people grew up and now they still, it's the same thing. You don't live together unless you're married. I said you don't live together unless you're married. Amen. But people have got all the wrong answers. They no longer listen to the word of God. They no longer listen to God's men. They don't listen to God's people. In fact, the matter is, don't even listen to God himself. Our church is in sad shape. I think of the apostasy and the apathy. Our, pul- our pulpits are, comprised, uh, are, compri- uh, are compromised in their, in their preaching. Preachers are afraid to speak up against sin. Uh, prophesy falsely and people are okay with it. In churches today, we have ear tickling instead of preaching of the word of God. Preachers in the church look like the world and the congregation is okay with it and there's a problem there. Our pews are cold. I'm not talking about on a winter night in November. The pews are cold even in the dead of heat of the summertime. We sit like a lump on a log rather than be involved in a service. Amen. Our churches are cold, uh, our pews are cold, our people are sinful and ungrateful. Hard to get people to thank God for a blessing. We ought to be a grateful people. You say, what in the world can we thank God for today? Church, salvation, we can go on and on, count your blessings. What's happened in our service has become formal, dead, and unfulfilling. You know, church ought to be a time that's, that's spectacular in our lives, something important to us, something we can be involved in. You say, how can we be involved? How about bring a Bible? How about open that Bible up? How about read that Bible? How about sing in the songs, in the, in the song service? How about saying amen and at least shake your head once in a while? When purity's gone, praise will follow. Churches have nothing, want nothing, expect nothing, then sadly receive nothing. I'm telling you this right now. You can come to church where the preaching of the word of God is here. But if you're not coming expecting and receiving, you'll go out empty the way you came in. You know, Walmart has pretty much a lot of stuff. If you go in Walmart and you come out empty handed, you probably would have to say it is your fault. Because they got everything in there. Now, sometimes they're out of the right kind of peanut butter. But other than that, they've got everything in there, don't they? 
And you know, if you go out without anything, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. You go to a restaurant and you come out hungry. It's your own fault. If you go to church and you come out spiritually hungry, it's your own fault. The Word of God's being brought forth. Churches become rest homes for the, for the apathetic, sanctuaries for the sinful, and recliners for the slothful. You say, preacher, who are you preaching to today? Me. But wait a minute. I'm preaching to you too. Every person in this room. That's who I'm talking to. I don't preach to the empty pew. Those empty pews, I'm, I'm bypassing them. I'm looking at everybody in this room here tonight. The church is the people, not the pews. That's what we're talking to tonight. Our families need help. Our children need help. Our grandchildren need help. I think it's sad that we don't pass on the things that we have learned to our children and to our grandchildren. I realize, you know, when our children grow up, they get on their own. And I, we don't have a lot involved in that, but we may better dead sure make sure we teach them and train them the right way before they do grow up. If we teach them and train the right way, then they can go on and teach and train their own kids. May I say this, second generation Christian people, don't think that you became the Christian you are by accident. And as your kids grow up, I know they grew up in a different world than you did, in a different world than your mom and dad did. But it's the same Bible that Grandpa had, and you need to get back to it. Our churches need help. We need to get right with the Holy God. I say, you say, preacher, but we're living in the last days. I understand that. And I understand the last days these things will happen. But we must not give up the fight till Jesus comes. I believe the Lord's coming any moment, but I'm not going to sit down and wait for him to come. I'm going to get busy and let him come when I'm in the middle of doing something. That's the way I look at it. We need the light to still shine in a dark world, and we do live in a dark world. I mean, it really doesn't take a lot of light to make, you know, if you, if you go out at night and you have a little flashlight, you know those little flashlights, uh, they used to, used to take a coupon into Harbor, uh, Harbor Freight. You, you got something, you, you could get a, a free, uh, uh, I was going to say lighter, but that's what my wife always gets. But uh, uh, I get a free flashlight. And uh, I, I've gotten quite a few of those. Mr. Dubs was always one on that. Was He was always getting whatever was free, he was in there at. I mean, in fact, we, we had box, box of stuff that, that Mr. Dubs gave us there. Mr. Dubs got was free there. But one of the things was, and, and everybody likes free things, I do. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I had these little flashlights. You know what? Those little flashlights, they're just little bitty things, but they sure make a lot of light when it's dark. You go out in the woods early in the morning before it gets light. But you know what I find? I got a, it's too bright. I don't like it to be so bright. And I put my hand over the front of it a little bit and just let a little bit of light out just so I can see that I don't fall on something. Because it's not really that bright in the middle of the day. But when it's dark, it's really bright, and we're living in a dark time, and our light ought not be covered up. It ought to be shining brightly on a candlestick that the world would see. We can make a difference. We need to be the salt for those lost ones that are looking for the Savior. Right is still right, no matter what the situation is. You say, well, that which was right years ago is not right today. No, 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 no. Yes, it is. Right that was right is still right. And may I say this, wrong that was wrong is still wrong. 
Things that were wrong did not all of a sudden become right because we've heard so much. And here's the thing. We have heard enough. The same thing I've been talking about the Sodomite. With America, one time America realized how bad it was. It was an abomination. And now we say it's an alternative lifestyle. Where did we come to a place like that? Well, we've heard it so much, now we believe it. But when you get to the truth, and the truth is thy word, it's a whole different story. Holy is still holy, and unholy is still unholy. And so this is what was happening with Israel in the days of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was so moved about this that it, that it affected his eyes. And it affected his eyes so much that it affected his heart. Verse 51 again. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of my city. He was saying what I saw burned my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how we can live in this old world and see what we see and it not affect our hearts. Unless our hearts are cold and far from God. Our hearts should affect it. Our eyes should affect our hearts too. We become so indifferent and callous to sin that no longer offends us or bothers us. We see it with our eyes and yet it doesn't bother us anymore. You remember when you first saw the first sodomite couple. You saw what was going on. Now it's almost like, and what is it you? It's used to entertain us today. I was reading about Hallmark. They got their, everybody's in love on Hallmark, you know. And, you know, one of the women on there, she's not a real good Christian, I don't think, but, but you know, she claims to be a Christian, and she got off of that. You know why? Because Hallmark started using homosexuals more and more. Now, who would have thunk something like that would happen when it, usually they was, it was more like a family thing? It's because they want families to believe it's Okay. That's why mommies are taking their little children to, to, uh, to see these men dress up like women and read stories to them. Because they think it's okay. That's why our schools are teaching our boys and girls, you decide what gender you are. And people believe this is all right. It ought to, our eyes, what we see, ought to affect our heart. Somebody needs to get right. You say, preacher, who? Well, I believe when I make the statement, somebody needs to get right, I believe it's an all-inclusive statement. That means this, I need to be right. You need to be right. We all need to be right. The song says, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Preacher, who's this message for? It's for me, it's for you, it's for all of us. We're living in a time like this. Well, preacher, we know this, but here's the thing. Why aren't we making a difference? When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? When was the last time you led a soul to Christ? When was the last time you affected someone and, and got somebody to get into church? There's a whole world out there today that is out there that's lost and unchurched. What are we doing? We see it, but it doesn't go deep enough to affect our hearts and see what needs to be done. We need churches where the word of God is preached, but we also need churches where the word of God is received. And I can put it all out there for you. 
but you got to receive it. I remember a man one time, he said, we went to church somewhere, and he says, we got out in the car and said, what did you get? And he said to his wife, what did you get out of the sermon? And she said, I didn't get anything. He said, I didn't either. And they came to our church, and I thought, well, praise the Lord. He said, man, I get something out of the sermons. And he did for a while. And all of a sudden, I don't get anything. Let me tell you something. I know this. It's not changed what we've been preaching. It's still given out. It's just not being taken sometimes. Let me say, you sit here at church tonight, and you not pay attention and not listen. That's why it's important for boys and girls to listen, too. Because they can grow up never paying attention. I mean, there's a lot of kids. We grew up in a big church where a lot of kids went to church all the time, but they never paid attention to it. And then when all of a sudden they graduated and they got out from underneath mom and dad, went haywire because they never paid attention to the things of God. We need to receive it. Wickedness and worldliness needs to be shunned. And God needs to be welcome in every heart. Amen. When we look at sin, our hearts should fear. But yet we look at sin and we're okay. I think about David. We look at David and think, well, you know, what was he? He was a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? I mean, what a great thing to be said about a man. And I really believe he was. I believe he was a great man. But you know what? He, he allowed something to happen in his life that almost destroyed him completely. You know what it was? He looked, and it didn't bother him what he saw. He said, what did he look at? A woman bathing. It was not his wife. He was looking at another, woman's, another man's wife. And what happened? He said, who is that? He said, it's Bathsheba. He sent for her, had, him brought, had her brought to him. The Bible tells us that he looked and saw the next thing you know, he's defiled her, he's defiled himself, he's defiled his family, he's defiled her family, he's defiled a nation. All because of a look. So it really don't matter, preacher. It does matter. All because of a look. I thought how sad it was that this man, the sin that he did. In fact, what, happened, what was the next thing that happened there? He went and had her husband, Uriah, killed. Sent him out. Put him right there on the front line so he dies. Why? He wanted to cover up because Bathsheba, because of his looking, brought her down, did unspeakable to her. And all of a sudden, what happened? She's with child. He said, man, we got to get rid We got to cover this thing up. They covered it up. But God saw it, didn't he? But I'm sure if you'd ask David then, well, David, David, you know, can you imagine if those servants would have said, but David, you know, you, that, that's, you, you, that's, that's not your wife. You, you don't, you're not supposed to look at her like that. Sir, you ought to step away. But he looked. And it didn't bother him. Wouldn't have been something if he says, oh, my, I shouldn't see that. But it didn't bother him. You know, we're in a dangerous place when sin doesn't bother us anymore. I thought about Lot. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.8, For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot knew better, didn't he? Hey, guess what? So do we. Don't we? We know better. So I don't. Well, you got a Bible in your lap. You should know better. We have a church we can go to. We should know better. 
And I'm thinking, you know, a lot, he should have known better too. But the Bible said he vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Looked up in the, in the, in the dictionary, vexed means troubled, agitated, disquieted, afflicted, to plague, torment, disturb. He vexed his righteous soul. He was a saved man, a righteous man, because of Christ and what the Lord did in his life. He was righteous, and yet he vexed his soul. Do you understand what can happen to a saved person? He said, Preacher, I'm saved. I, would ne- I don't say what you never would do. Put in the right circumstances. You know, Lot, boy, I'll tell you what, he probably thought, you know, I don't understand what the big deal is. Well, what happened? Well, he lost some of his family there in Sodom, didn't he? Some of the family said, hey, we ain't going with you, old man. Well, yeah, I don't believe that stuff you're saying. I'm sure that they came to a place thinking the Sodomites were okay. Why, they're nice people. God said, I'm going to destroy the land. It wouldn't go. And then what happens? He has two daughters go with him, and his wife is starting to go with him. What happens? She turns around and turns to a pillar of salt. You know, old Sodom got into his wife, got into him too, got into his kids, because what happened then? There he goes, he gets out out there, he's led out of Sodom, and then what happens? His daughters get him drunk. They say, man, we got to keep population going. And so they get him drunk, they do the unspeakable with him. How did the world ever get that way? Vexed his righteous soul. You know, I'm glad you're in church tonight, but I'll tell you what, in every one of us, there's the possibility of us getting out of church and away from God. I would never do that. I wonder if Lot maybe said the same thing when he went, I think he was kind of that way with Abraham, wasn't he? Well, I'll be all right. And don't worry about me going down to Sodom. I am not a Sodomite. I, I, I am not that way. I, I, I have a wife. I have a family. I'm not that way, but he was okay with it. So much to the point where, remember, he said that he would send his daughter out to those vile men. They didn't want a girl. They wanted a boy. Vile. When we look upon our nation tonight, our hearts should break. Our hearts should break. It should bring soul searching. Look at verse 41. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Let us ask God, search me, O Lord, and know the thoughts. Search me, O Lord, and know what is in my heart. I believe in verse 42, there needs to be repentance. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. We need to be pardoned. We'll never be pardoned until we confess and repent. And then there was weeping, verse 48 and 49. My eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without intermission. And then drop down to 51, mine eye affecteth my heart. He said, what I've seen, what I see when I look in the mirror, What I see when I look at my nation, it affects my heart. When we look and see what's happening all around us, it ought to affect our hearts to where they break over the sin. 
I believe it's harvest time now. John 4, 35 says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I think, man, there's so much that needs to be done. The harvest is ready, and yet it's still standing in the fields. I was talking to my wife on the way to church this evening. I noticed a lot of fields still have standing corn. There's snow around, and there's standing corn. I know they haven't got around to it all. I guess some of them let them dry out there like that way. I really, I'm not a farmer. I don't understand it all there. But you know what it tells me there? There is still something that needs to be brought in. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe the Lord is coming soon, but there's still some people out there that need to be brought in. But it don't bother us. The condition of souls. We go to chapter 1 of Lamentations there. Chapter 1 and verse number 16. The Bible says, For these things I weep. Remember, he's the weeping prophet. Prophet, For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate, because the enemy prevailed. Sad thing when the enemy prevails. That'll break our heart. I think, well, you know, it's all right, just the way things are. It'll break our hearts. We need to be a witness to souls. Daniel 12, 3 says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever, turning people to Christ. So what do we need to do? We need to be like Jeremiah. We need to be concerned like Jeremiah. But I say this. We ought to also be thrilled. You say, preacher, how can you be concerned and thrilled at the same time? You can. But preacher, I see all the things that's happening in America. Yep. But I know this, the Lord is coming again. I know that time is short, and I'm burdened about that. But I also have the thrill of knowing the trumpet could sound at any moment. And we rise to be with him. Luke 2, 28 says this, or I'm sorry, Luke 21, 28 says this, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. I mean soon. Our redemption draweth nigh. It could be this week. Hey, wouldn't it be something on Thanksgiving? Would that be something to be thankful for, wouldn't it? I mean, could you imagine there? Man, we'd have the marriage supper of the lamb. We could go up and just and have a marriage supper of the lamb of turkey instead of chicken. That'd be all right. With ketchup on it. Amen. With ketchup on it. I'm telling you, I about cried the other day. We were in, we were in, there, in there at the Sam's Club, and they had a big old thing. You know, we used to get, we'd get that big thing of ketchup and pour it in the little bottles. And I looked, and man, I mean, it was almost like, man, we might, maybe we just ought to shoplift it. It's too expensive, and we need it. But, uh, you know, think about it. One of these days, the Lord's coming again, isn't he? And that trumpet's going to sound. We're going to rise to be with him. This robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. We'll drop the drop of this old world, this world, the sin, they'll be gone. But here's the thing. When I get there, I want to see people there, too. I'm looking forward to seeing my Savior, but I'm looking forward to seeing mom and dad, seeing church folks. You know, the scariest thing for me is this, is not seeing when we get to heaven a family member, 
And as a pastor, I think of this, of some of the church folks. I, don't, I, I hope when we get to heaven, we won't look around and say, where's so-and-so? I hope when we get to heaven, we'll look and say, well, there they are. With the rest of the multitude of trusted Christ. Lord's coming soon. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's coming home soon, coming soon. Oh, I look and I'm so burdened about what's going on in America, but I'm also thrilled of knowing that the Lord is coming soon. And our eternal home is near. Revelation 21.2 says, And I saw, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Our eternal home. And you think about this. We, we've got a home that God is preparing for us right now. I love my home. I love going home. I love being at home. I like, I like, I, I, I have a little room, I call it my gun room, hunting room, you know, and, also, and I, I go in there and I sit and I just look at all the memories. I have pictures all over. It's all, it looks cluttered probably to abnormal people, but anybody has any sense, it looks really nice. And uh, I look around and I see all these pictures that I have. I, and I, I made these little things where it says, hunting memories. And then the next one says, more hunt, hunting memories. And uh, some more hunting memories. And I keep, keep doing and, and I just, I sit around. I enjoy that room so much. I enjoy the house. I like sitting in front of the fire, although I don't do it much anymore because you folks are so wonderful to us. And uh, I, I sit there in and, and, and a nice warm house, and I, I think about all the blessings there. But <laughs> that old wood house out there is a shack compared to what I got in heaven. Don't have to put a heating system in it. You know, <laughs> old Ryan's going to be out of work up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got somebody better to take care of it than him. But, uh, uh, you know, he'll be out of work. You know what? The, the, the funeral director will be out of work, too, won't he? Won't that be grand? You see the funeral director, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm fine. I'll tell you what, this is the greatest life. Not having to bury people anymore. Our eternal home is near. But we've got to see the importance of the hour. Yeah, he's coming soon. That means hurry up. Let's get busy. Because our redemption draws nigh. We must see what is happening right now with our eyes and let it affect our hearts. But we must also see the future. And may it thrill our hearts. You see, can you have both feelings at the same time? Yeah, I believe we can. I believe we can. But may our eyes affect our hearts. May we see the need of lost people to be saved. You know, we're going to be around, a lot of folks are going to be around family. Thanksgiving, got loved ones not saved. When you look at them, let it affect your heart. Maybe you can set up a time where you can sit down with them and say, hey, you know what, my heart's breaking for you. I want you to know Jesus. You say, I don't know if I could say that. You can with his help. How great it would be if somebody got saved. Amen. Maybe somebody can come to church because we let we look and we see, man, their life. They're, they're headed down the wrong direction, especially if somebody's got kids. Man, if you know somebody has some children, you work on them and try to get them in church. You see it, let it affect your heart where your heart breaks. You know, our hearts ought to be broken today of so many children that are not in church anymore. Our hearts ought to break with the way our homes are today. But we can also be thankful that one of these days, and I believe soon, he's coming again. Amen.
Amen. Let our eyes affect our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the time this evening. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you bless what's been said here today. And especially in this time that we've had here for the service tonight. Lord, I pray that we might, what we see affect us. That we would see the sin as what it is, bad, an abomination. And we'd want to get things right. We'd want to reach people for Christ. May we not become friendly with the sin. May we may not may we may may we not make the same mistakes that David did. He looked. We don't think it's a big deal, but he looked. But we'll make the same mistakes that old Lot did. We can go on down through the list of folks. Lord, help us to see things as they are, and may it break our hearts. But may our hearts be thrilled when we stop and look around and realize our redemption draws nigh. Mixed emotions tonight. God, speak to us about it. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, maybe you're here this evening, you're not sure you're saved. You come, we'll show you in the Bible how you can know 100% sure you're going to heaven. A Christian tonight, God spoke to your heart. Oh my, may we, we let what we see touch our hearts. It'll make us soul winners. It'll make us prayer warriors. It'll make us do something more than a bump on the log. Father, bless now in this time of invitation. I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.